Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. We are continuing our series entitled The Unusual Life. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to two spots, John chapter 8, and put a marker in Mark chapter 5. Now, for those of you who know those books are pretty close, you can kind of cheat and just wing it and just go to John 8 and then, you know, turn a few pages and get to Mark chapter 5. But for those of you who like to turn to two spots, those are two spots, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of of insight into where we're going with this message. The title of this message is Sent to Set Us Free. Sent to Set Us Free. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, we kind of kicked off this run of the middle of the series with this passage in week number two. Luke chapter four, verse 18, Jesus is reading a messianic prophecy from the book of Isaiah about himself, obviously. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Isn't it interesting that in this passage, two of the four things Jesus just read have to do with freedom, being liberated. And yet, without even really realizing it, there are so many believers stuck in bondage. Now, Before I tell you specifically what we're talking about in this message, let me help you understand something. Uh, When I was in junior high, uh, the most important thing uh, in the sixth grade was what you thought about me. Uh, That was, that's what I lived for. What you thought about me, whether or not you thought I was dignified, whether you thought I was cool, whether you thought I, I was the man, that's what I live for. And if any of you have ever tried that philosophy, you learn pretty quickly it's a miserable existence. And I wouldn't say that at now about to be 41 years old that I've gone to the opposite extreme where I just kind of walk around and go, I don't care what you think about me. I'm not there because that's not really maturity. Anybody who says, I don't care what you think about me is lying through their teeth. They're just covering it up. The healthy way to approach this is to say, it's okay no matter what you think about me. It's okay. No matter how bad it is. And, and so I'm, I'm telling you, almost 30 years ago, what I cared most about was what you thought about me. At 40, about to be 41, what I care most about is helping you and bringing people to Jesus, no matter what I look like. So, what we're talking about in this message is demons. Crickets. (laughs) You're like, Preston, last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. This week we're talking about demons. This is a pretty great strategy to grow a church, right? You know what's funny is if Jesus came to do these things, it actually might be a brilliant way for Jesus to build his church. I ain't trying to build the church. He said he would. So if you're freaked out right now, I totally get it. 
I totally understand why. Maybe it's simply because you've believed a lie. That rhymed. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. So let's jump into point number one. There really are demons. There really are demons. Now let's just kind of, rather than sensationalize this, what, what's a demon? Demons are disembodied spirits. Now think about this. How many of you, well, well, we'll just do it this way. If you believe in angels, would you put your hand up, please? Okay, look around. Look, 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 look. Okay. Here's what a demon is. A third of the angels originally fell from heaven with Satan like lightning. If you believe in angels, whether you want to talk about it or not, you believe in demons. Okay? I'm just telling you, if you don't want to admit that they're demons, don't read the New Testament. 82 times the word demon or demons is mentioned in the New Testament and over 60 of those times are in the Gospels and most of those are connected to Jesus. Jesus came to set us free. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. Then Jesus appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach. Period. Oh wait. It's not a period. It's a comma giving them authority to cast out demons. Well, Preston, this is where I've got you. Because Jesus gave the authority to cast out demons to the 12 disciples. Okay, let's just pause for a moment. How many of us claim the responsibility as disciples of Jesus Christ to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and make disciples in all nations? How many of us? Mm -hmm. It's a calling for every follower of Jesus Christ. How come we don't see this as part of our calling? Because it's weird, Preston. Well, we started talking about this last week, right? About weird people. We see weird people do weird things. It isn't the weird things that make them weird. They're weird. That's what makes them weird. Okay. But, but here's the one-liner as I was doing run-throughs in my office today. Here, here's what I felt the Holy Spirit say. Be careful that you have the correct definition of weird. For if you do not, you will be wrongly normal. <laughs> That's so nasty, it's not even funny. You should write that down. I like immediately texted Brad. I was like, you gotta hear this. This is nasty. I'll say it again, okay? Be careful that you have the correct definition of weird. For if you do not, you will be wrongly normal. Isn't it interesting that even in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And the very last phrase of the Lord's prayer is, and deliver us from the evil one. I don't believe in demons. Jesus says when you pray. He's saying to believers, when you pray, pray like this. Don't just pray my kingdom would come. Pray and deliver us from the evil one. 
Mark chapter 6, verse 12. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. Whip, whip, period. We love that part. We're like, yeah, way to go, disciples. Preach that gospel. Tell those people to repent of their sins. That's what I'm talking about. Then we read the next part and we go, wah, wah. Verse 13. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with oil. Just a question for those of us who maybe don't believe in demons. Because there are really only two options as it relates to demons. You either leave them in or you cast them out. Which one's weirder? Like, I totally get it. I sound weird to some of you right now. Totally. But if Jesus came to set the captives free, and he says, when you pray, make sure you pray, deliver us from the evil one. I am not making this up. We're going to read a ton of scripture because I know some of y'all want to throw the Bible at me right now. And when you do, just make sure it's turned to John chapter 8 <laughs> and Mark chapter 5. Let me talk just seriously for a minute to those who kind of want to pretend like demons don't exist. Have you ever had a really big mess in your garage or some room in your house and it was so big and bad and ugly and overwhelming that you just wanted to leave it? And you, you kind of try and hide it, right? Shoving in the closet. You know, we got a couple of spots in our house where we do this. And what do we do? We push it to the side and we pretend it doesn't exist. But if I come over to your house and I go, well, what's with the messy spot? And you go, that's not a mess. That's clean. You know what I'm going to say to you? Oh, my Lord, then what do you call a mess? And we've got a lot of believers running around going, Pretend they don't exist. Pretend they don't exist. Listen, if I were the devil, that would be strategy number one. C.S. Lewis says it like this. There are two types of Christians the devil loves, the skeptic and the superstitious. Skeptics say demons are not real. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He's not a weirdo. The superstitious see a demon under every bush. Skeptics say demons are not real. The superstitious see a demon under every bush. And Jesus addresses the superstitious. And, and listen, if you're wondering if you might be a skeptic or superstitious, if you're a skeptic, you hate that I'm talking about this right now. If you're superstitious, you're going, that's what I'm talking about. Finally, he's talking about this. Finally, Preston, I've been asking God when you'd preach about demons. Okay, you're superstitious. You're on the wrong side. Listen, both are extremes. And here's what I want to say to both camps. You need to come to the middle. You need to come to the middle. That's where the health is on this. It's not in either extreme. Jesus addresses the superstitious in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. He says, look. And I think he said it just like this. Look. Okay, he's not screaming, hooping, and hollering. Look. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. FYI, Jesus was not talking about slithering things and creepy crawly things. And I can prove it to you with the next sentence. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. 
Jesus says it so matter-of-factly. Why? Because he's not impressed by Satan. He saw Satan fall like lightning. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. But it's funny. Most believers act like they don't believe in demons until it comes in handy for them to blame something on them. Oh, a demon made me do that. I thought you didn't believe in demons. And the superstitious will, will go, a demon kept me from getting that parking spot. No, laziness did because you stayed at the house for 15 minutes too long. A demon did it. Jesus says, come on, come on. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Here's the one-liner. Be aware of opposition. Don't dwell on it. And certainly don't glorify it. Here's point number two. Believers really can be in bondage. Believers really can be in bondage. Here's a great definition of bondage. I don't know if this is in your notes or not. If it's not, write it down. And if, if you guys can put this on the screen. Brad, is this in the notes? Okay, great. Here's a great definition of bondage. Any impulsive or compulsive behavior which restricts you from enjoying the freedom Jesus died to give you. I'll say it again. Bondage is any impulsive or compulsive behavior which restricts you from enjoying the freedom Christ died to give you. You will never get free if you don't understand you can be bound. John chapter 8. If you turn there, and listen, I want you to bring your Bibles. I, I know uh, everybody likes to have the electronic Bible. That's great. Uh, I, I would love to be known as an old school church on this one. You know, like I, pages turning, all that stuff. Do both, okay? I know some of you like to write in your electronic Bible. That's great. But there's something about having it. And so keep it. The problem with me is, for some reason, I've been giving all of my Bibles away lately. And so I, I got to keep buying them, but I'm slowing down because I have this one place in England that, that makes my favorite Bible. And it's kind of expensive to give those away. So I am boycotting presently to go, Jesus, I'm not buying another paper Bible because you're going to make me give it away. So if you're wondering, how come he doesn't have a paper Bible up there? That's why I gave it away. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Verse 31, read it with me in your Bible. And if you don't have your Bible, no pressure, no condemnation. Just read it with me on the screen. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. What does that make these people he is talking to? Believers. Thank you very much. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, God, thank you for your word. Because it answers so many questions we think we know the answer to. Your word is truth. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 33, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? Okay, let's talk about this for a minute. Who is in bondage? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Who is in bondage? Here's the simple answer to the question. Anyone who continually commits the same sin. It's the simple way to say it. Do you have some sin that you continuously, consistently, 
impulsively. In other words, it just flares up in a moment's notice. Almost like it's an involuntary response and you can't even control it. Or a compulsive sin that you do over and over and over again. And you say, I don't want to do that anymore, but you just keep doing it. Okay, any time. That describes us. We are in bondage. You cannot get free if you will not admit you're in bondage. Jeremiah chapter 7. Go old school in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 7, starting in verse 8. God says, Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, the house of the Lord, representing the church, and then say, we are delivered. Who's he talking to? Believers. His people. He said, will you come into the house of the Lord doing all this sinful stuff, going, we are delivered. We are delivered to do all these abominations. And God's saying, is that what deliverance looks like? No, no, no. That's what bondage looks like. It is entirely possible for someone to come to church as a believer in Jesus Christ. Completely in bondage. And we got a lot of believers who don't believe that's even possible. John 8, Jesus is speaking to believers. Think about this. I'll say it like this. One of my favorite stories, this is totally sidetracking, but one of my favorite stories that Pastor Robert Morris, who's my hero and a mentor in the faith, uh, one of my favorite stories that he tells from way, way back, he was meeting with a guy and was asking a bunch of questions, probing, and, and the guy tells him, uh, I've left my wife, we're still legally married, but I am living with another woman and I've been living with her for a couple of years. And Robert said, and you go to church. And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, I'm a spirit-filled believer. And one of my favorite stories is Robert just immediately responds and he goes, oh yeah, you are. Would you like me to tell you just a few of the spirits you're filled with? <laughs> That's gangster right there. That's totally sidetracking right there. So good though, because think about it. The way we're filled with the Holy Spirit is we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and are daily filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens when you continue to yield to the influence of a demonic spirit? Let's be even more specific. What happens when you yield to the spirit of lust? You're filled with lust, right? Romans chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, I'm not going to read them. But I mean, this is what God inspired Paul to say. Now listen, there are two ways to go about this thing. You can either be a slave to sin, and the effects of that are horrific. Or you can be a slave to Christ, and not the kind of slave you think. Whatever you yield to, you are in bondage to. Think about it. Paul says every once in a while, I'm a bondservant of Christ. He's literally saying, I am bound to Christ. I have chosen rather than to be bound to evil, 
I am a bond servant. I am bound to Christ. It's hard. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's hard to admit we're in bondage. Because it's, it's like confessing an indictment against ourselves. Right? It's tough. Go back and let's read John 8 again. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Listen to what they say. But we are descendants of Abraham. These are Jewish believers in Yeshua. We are descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves, literally translated, in bondage to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? Think about this for a second. Have you read the Bible? The Jewish people had been in bondage to the Egyptians, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and at the very time they say these words, they're in bondage to the Romans. Oh, we've never been in bondage to anyone. And we can laugh at them, but we've got a lot of believers walking around going, I'm a Christian, I can't be in bondage. Or maybe they kind of just turn it a little bit and they go, well, Preston, I, I wouldn't call it bondage. I just call it a weakness. Well, how long have you had this weakness? 20 years. You're in bondage. <laughs> I call it a weakness because that sounds more spiritual. You know, it sounds like Paul. Believers absolutely can be in bondage. Think about it like this. If you're sitting up here in the front row in church, and I can see from here. I'm not going to look anyone in the eye because I don't want them to think I'm talking about them. But I can see from here that they have spinach between their teeth. And after the service, when I go to the exit and greet everybody, this person comes by me and I stop them and go, hey, hey, you got, you got spinach. No, I don't. I'm a believer in Jesus. And I'm in church. God would never let me be embarrassed like that. No, 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 you got spinach between your teeth. Now listen, you got two options. You can either leave that spinach or you can just calmly, not weirdly, pick it out of your teeth, right? Does anybody consider removing spinach from your teeth weird or sensational? Thank you, case closed. How much crazier we talk about spinach, but how much crazier is it when God tells you you have a bondage in your life and you leave it? Listen, if it's dawning on you, oh my word, I have spiritual spinach between my teeth. I think I'm in bondage and I've been in this area and this area of my life in bondage for years and I didn't even realize it because I didn't think I could be. Don't be scared, you can have demons. Be excited, Jesus came to set us free from them. Point number three, I'm having fun. Who has fun preaching on demons? I don't, Jesus did. Point number three, being set free is really easy. Being set free is really easy. John chapter eight, now in verse 35, Jesus says a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Do you realize 
It is easy to be set free because it's not dependent upon you. Jesus came to set us free. This is what Jesus does. Watch how easy it is. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits, yelling, screaming, making a huge scene of it. Oh, wait, I added that, didn't I? He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. Gangster. He cast out evil spirits with a simple command and he healed all the sick. When I was in high school in the ninth grade, I I knew I was going to go into ministry. And so uh, from time to time, I had older friends who could drive and we would go to different churches just to see what everybody else believed. And one time we went to this church uh, that I I don't need to say which denomination, but it it was an experience I'd never experienced before. I go in, worship lasted about an hour and a half. And on the edges of every row on both sides were kind of big trash buckets. And I, you know, I, I, I'd never seen that before. We do it here on communion weekend to keep the place clean. But I learned really quickly, that's not why the trash buckets were there. Uh, Like song two, song three-ish, I start hearing, and and deacons running with trash cans and, and people throwing up like crazy. Okay, now I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not saying that's not scriptural. I don't see it in scripture, but I'm not judging anybody, okay? I'm not God. I don't know everything. I just never seen this before. And I'm not going to lie. It freaked me out because I I just know what I'm like. I've got a gentle gag reflex when people are throwing up around me. (laughs) So I started to feel like I was going to gag, but it wasn't for the same reason they were gagging. I was watching them just puke their guts up into these deals. So I, I, I went to somebody and I said, what's going on right now? And the guy said, they're being delivered of evil spirits. I grabbed my Bible. I was like trying to find in, in the gospels. Like, is this how it goes? I've never seen this. I'm in ninth grade. I'm like, what's going on? Someone's been lying to me. I, it scared me to death. And maybe just the mention of the word demon scares you a little bit. I want you to write this down if that's you. Being set free isn't scary. Being bound is. Being set free isn't scary. Being bound is. Watch how simple it is. Mark 16, verse 17. These miraculous signs, Jesus says, will accompany those who believe. Watch this. They will cast out demons in my name. In my name and they will speak in new languages. Because of what Jesus came to do, being set free can be as simple as saying his name. Now, if you turn to Mark chapter five, I'm gonna read two really long passages here. Because if you're here today, and our whole church has been fasting for the last week, because while I was in London a couple weeks ago, I felt the Holy Spirit very clearly say, Press when you get home. This is a Joshua 3 moment. I want you to tell the people to sanctify themselves. For the next weekend, and that's this weekend, I will do miraculous things among them. And remember, Joshua 3, 
that happens to be the final moments before they step into the promised land for the first time. Mark chapter 5. Let's read it together because if you're here and you'd say, okay, now I recognize, Preston, scripturally, believers can be in bondage, and I think I am, but I think it's really, really bad. Like, I think I'm, I have been in bondage to the spirit of anger for most of my life, Preston. Like, I just fly off the handle uncontrollably all the time. And it's really bad. Like, really, really bad. Or Preston, I, I think the Holy Spirit's showing me during this message that I'm bound to the spirit of heaviness. Like, every day I wake up, Preston, it doesn't matter how cloudless the skies are, all I feel is a dark cloud. I think I'm in bondage to the spirit of heaviness. Or Preston, I have thought I'm the most amazing human being since the day I was born. I think I might be in bondage to the spirit of pride, you think? Whatever it is, here's what the enemy would love to try and whisper to you right now. Everybody else can get free, but you're worse than everybody else. You can't get free. Let's just see if that's true. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read 13 verses because I just love the Bible. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs, a cemetery, to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. This man was so bound, he couldn't even be chained. Verse 4, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, Mark doesn't report this, but Luke does, that this man was naked. He would, he would run around the cemetery in town naked. Okay? Let me just say, for those of you who are thinking, I'm the worst of the worst. Did you come to church today naked? No, you did not. You're not as bad off as this guy. I already know it. Okay? Verse 5. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. Let me just point this out. You know what this reveals? Satan cannot stop anybody from coming to Jesus. Satan cannot stop you from experiencing freedom in Christ. And you're about to be even more encouraged if you really beat yourself up and think you're too far gone. Verse 7, with a shriek, he screamed. Who's he? We're about to find out. He shrieked, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Remember, the man is bowing. Who is screaming? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus has already said to the spirit, the spirit is talking, not the man. Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Verse 9, then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he, the spirit, replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. You know the, the Roman word for legion had a number attached to it? You know what the number was? 
6,826. This one's named Legion because there are 6,826 of them inside. I know you beat yourself up and feel like you're way far gone. I am fairly confident you ain't got this problem. You didn't show up to church naked and you don't have 6,826 demons on the inside of you. Verse 10, then the evil spirits begged Jesus again and again not to send them to some distant place. Remember, demons are disembodied spirits. They're looking for a dwelling place because they're disembodied. Verse 11, I love this. This is so drop the mic moment for Jesus. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. They had to get permission from Jesus. Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged deep down the hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Preston, I'm way too far gone. Are you this guy? I don't think so. But even if you were, Satan couldn't stop this guy from bowing low at the feet of Jesus and finding freedom. Flip a couple of pages to Mark chapter 9. Because maybe you're someone who says, okay, I kind of believe in what you're talking about, Preston, the Bible. I kind of believe, but I'm not sure how much I believe. So I'm sure you have to like believe, believe that this can happen, that you could be free in order to be set free. Let's see. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, to the disciples, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Listen to what the creator of the universe says next. Bring the boy to me. Bring this boy to me. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this been happening? Man says, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws himself into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. The father says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. You may have had family members who have said to you, you're going to struggle with this iniquity your entire life. Someone like you will never be able to get free from something like this. Jesus says, anything is possible if a person believes. The man says, Jesus, help us if you can. And Jesus says, this isn't about if I can. This is about do you believe I can. Verse, 23, uh, verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. Listen, he says, I believe, but I still have unbelief. Help me get over that. It's okay to say to God, I believe, but I know I have unbelief. 
Like I'm somewhere stuck in the middle. So Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. He wasn't dead. He was free. Because he whom the Son sets free is truly free. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.